Hello. Thank you all for... Oh, hi. (laughs) Yes. Thank you all for joining us today. Um, My name is Erica McKissick, and this is the first uh, episode of Uncommon Woman for an Uncommon Time. The podcast is centered around the four core principles of Mount Leeds with the intention to inspire Athenians. Um, Today I have with me Amber Figueroa. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, um, I'm very happy to be here. My name is Amber Figueroa. And uh, just a little bit about myself. Let's see, um, I've been a resident on campus since my freshman year. Oh, wait, I'm a fourth year sociology major. Yes, and I am graduating in 2021. Hopefully, fingers crossed. And for the first three years, you know, before Corona hit, I did dorm. So I was a resident on campus for the Shalon campus. So that was a big thing. I have been involved in multiple programs like ISAE. Um, I've been an orientation leader. I've been an orientation assistant. I have worked at the Women's Leadership and Student Engagement Office for the past four years, including summers. I have been a part of Latinas Unidas Leadership Scholars. I have been in SGA for three years as a general senator, a resident senator, and now executive vice president. I have been a part of building bridges across borders as well as the French club when it used to be around. <laughs> But yeah, that's just a couple of things that I have been involved in. <laughs> a couple, wow. <laughs> um, yes, you have an extensive, a long, extensive list of uh, leadership. That's, it's, was, you were naming it all, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> sitting here amazed, like, what? I never, I, some stuff I never even knew about you, for real. Like, I, 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 I just learned something. Um, but, so, with, the Mount Leeds kind of leadership belief, uh, it's the belief that leaders are made and not born. Um, yeah. Do you agree with this statement and what does it mean to you? Um, I would have to say that I 100% agree with this statement. I think leaders take a lot of experience and a lot of you know gained knowledge throughout the year in order to become the people that they are and i don't feel like someone is born perfect and someone is just born to be you know a a big leader and you know a lot of the times the world itself causes a lot of doubts and insecurities for a lot of individuals and i knew ever since i was little like my parents would always tell me like be a leader and not a follower and as many times as i heard it it was really difficult for me to kind of like gain that knowledge and gain that perspective so i think it took a lot of years a lot of experience a lot of confidence and a lot of just putting myself out there to become the leader i am today you know i've taken a lot of management positions a lot of you know, executive positions, and I'm very happy for the opportunities that have been provided for me. And a lot of the things, you know, there was a lot of self-doubt and a lot of um, pressure that I put on myself that I didn't believe that I could get to these places. So I'm very proud that I was able to overcome these fears and overcome this doubt and become the leader that I am today. Mm -hmm. I I 100% agree that it, when you're a leader, you feel like a lot of like you feel yeah. a lot of self-doubt about yourself and it can really like almost affect you in a way that you're like it enables you to do your role because you're like oh my gosh what am I doing this wrong am I doing this wrong it's yeah like, I think how it's, do you, yeah very ahead. difficult because it's like everybody has such a different leadership style and it's hard to kind of imitate those around you, especially when yours is so different. So you might not feel like as comfortable when you're trying to follow somebody else. But yeah, always like, you know, second guessing, questioning yourself, like that's a really big thing about leadership. And I have noticed that I've constantly had like the imposter syndrome where I feel like I shouldn't be here. Like it was a mistake. There must be somebody else, even like getting into the mount, like it was a big thing for me. And I never thought that it was something capable just because I had a lot of people in my life telling me that I'd never make it to a private school and I'd never make it to a four-year university. And the farthest I could go was a community college. And I felt like hearing that from people that are supposed to be, you know, pushing you to be better, pushing you to reach these goals was a very big thing that affected me, at least like, you know, growing up. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you speak about how you initially came to the Mount. Like when you initially came to um, 
university, did you view yourself as a leader? I didn't actually. When I came to the Mount, I was very scared. I didn't know anybody that came to the Mount. All of my friends went to Cal State LA and they went up to the Bay and they just kind of left or they like went to like major schools. And I felt very uncomfortable in my scenario just because I had originally come in as a nursing major and, you know, from nursing to sociology, that's a really big jump. So, you know, like I was in those beginning classes that they tell you and they're like kind of preparing you for everything that you're going to have to do as a nursing student and I was just so lost and I was so confused and I think the like one shining light was like I found my best friend Helen we hadn't talked in I have to say about like five years because we went our own separate ways but the fact that I found her at orientation I was so excited I was like oh my gosh like my mom was like that's it like you're here forever (laughs) but I think it was like a really big thing like I felt even though it's a small school, I still felt like it was really big. And I felt like I just couldn't find my place. 100%. I agree. When you initially come to, like, any kind of institution, you always feel this initial, like, nervousness and, like, Mm -hmm. do I fit in here? Do I belong here? Like, am I supposed to be here? (laughs) And I think we forget to tell ourselves, like, we got accepted into here. Like, we got accepted into the mount. We've got accepted into these roles. Like, we went out for these positions we went out for this um thing that we wanted and we got it and we deserve to be here but telling ourselves that is like a completely different different story (laughs) (laughs) a whole different story and so I'm that's I never knew that you and Helen like linked up like yeah it was like like the craziest thing I think it was like admitted students day or something like that where your parents can come like Mm -hmm. my mom was like because her mom's name is Blanca and they were best friends before we were best friends. So that's why we've been friends for like since the womb, as we like to say. (laughs) (laughs) And like, she told me, she's like, I I saw Blanca and I was like, you're crazy. Like, because there had always been like similarities in me and Helen and like different things that we did together. Like we had our quinceanera, which is like our 15th party at the same Mm -hmm. exact place without knowing. Like, it was just like a lot of weird coincidences that always placed each other in our own paths. And like, when I finally saw Helen, like my heart stopped. I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is crazy. Like, okay, there has to be a reason that I'm here. Like, it's crazy because I like, I gave up like all my friendships. I was like, no, I'm I'm not gonna like let that be the guiding factor of my life because I wanted to go to a place that could offer me an opportunity that I never thought I'd get. So that was mm-hmm. not St. Mary's for me. And for the longest time, even when I got accepted, like I didn't want to tell anybody, I didn't want to tell my parents because I thought it wasn't going to be something that I could achieve. It wasn't going to be something that I could financially afford. So Mount St. Mary's has been a really big step for me. And I feel like it's really helped me grow into the person that I am today. Mm-hmm. And so I like how you said that you just, you didn't, you had to make your own decision. Like, yeah, I feel that very much with like all of my friends, me and my homies, we're all spread out. Like we go to like, some of them go to school in Maryland. I have a friend that also goes to school in LA, but we go to different, like we've all gone our separate ways and trying to find that self kind of identity without them is like super, I don't know about you, but it was super hard for me to come into my own, um, here after high school because like so much of who I was was like was around my friends like I was always like I would do what they did or I would be in specific things because like oh my friends are here so let me like let me do this and so trying to break away from that and trying to find your own person like did you also experience that like yeah I I actually did experience this I remember at senior year I had my whole life figured out I had my friend group I had like what we would do on the weekends how we would like you know hang out during specific times and I feel like when it came time for college applications you know we all did apply to at least like one or two schools that and then of course we applied to like other schools that benefited our interests and I was never going to apply to Mount St. Mary's like it was never something that I considered and the funniest thing was my mom was my mom 
talk to her dentist about me because of course, you know, when the dentist has something inside your mouth, that's a perfect time to talk. <laughs> yeah. She talked to him about the fact that I wanted to do nursing and he told her, I have a son that goes to Mount St. Mary's University and you know, like he's doing really well. He's in the nursing program. You know, he graduated a couple of years ago, but it was like something that just popped in her head and she told me about it. And, you know, like I kind of thought about it. I went to a bunch of my mentors and I talked to them about it. And I was like, I don't know if I can afford this. I know that public schools were always, you know, seen as, you know, high end. It was something that was really expensive, something not a lot of people could afford. And my advisor told me, you know what, just go for it. Like one of my mentors told me, just go for it. The worst that they can say is no, which is why I applied. You know, I applied and didn't think much of it. I never thought I'd get in. And for the most part, most of my safety schools, which were the schools that all my friends applied to, we all got in, which were like, mm -hmm. you know, Cal State LA, San Francisco State, and probably, you know, uh, CSUN. So those were the three schools that we all applied to and we all got in. And I think it was a big deal when I finally got accepted into Mount St. Mary's that I was like, oh my gosh, like this is a real opportunity. And still I kind of didn't want to accept it. And I didn't really tell anybody because I was just so nervous. And when I finally did, you know, tell my mom, she's like, you know, this is something, if this is what you want to do, we can do it. And thankfully, the mound offered me a lot of financial assistance that allowed me, you know, to financially afford being able to go to a you know, private university. And it was a big thing for my friends that I said, you know, like, I'm not going to go to these schools. I'm not going to go where yeah, everyone yeah. else is going. And for a long time and for a really big while I didn't talk to a lot of people that were really close to me because you know they felt like I didn't want to go with them I didn't want to like you know have a relationship with them I didn't want to continue what we had been doing and it was a big step for me to just do this on my own mm -hmm. but we at the end of the day have to forge our own paths exactly. um that's what it's that's what I come to terms with every day is that we are all on our very own life journey. Like we yeah. can't live for each other. We have to live for ourselves um, and for what we want, because at the end of the day, people are going to go and get what they want. Like, yeah. that's just like your friends are going to do what they want to do and what they love to do. You know what I mean? And so you have to also do the same. Um, yeah. And so like separating from them is like, I don't know about you, but separating from the people that I love is always super hard. Like, oh yeah, it's really yeah. hard. <laughs> don't get me wrong; it was a really big decision, and I felt like like it was very difficult for me to do. But I think that one thing that really stuck with me was like something that my dad always tells me, and he's like, you know, if you depend on other people and live for them, guess what they're gonna have for you? They're not gonna have much. They're going to have what they want to do. They're going to have what they want to complete and they're going to have what they, makes them happy. And, you know, like if you're just living for that, you're never going to become your own person. You're always going to have this codependency. And I think that that's been a really big thing that's always been taught to me by my parents. Like you need to be independent. You can't depend on anybody at the end of the day. Like your best friends are, you know, yourself and, you know, whoever is closest to you in your family, whether that be your parents, whether that be a, you know, guardian or anyone that is, you know, like those were the people that are going to love you no matter what decision you make and support you no matter what decision you make. So that's why, mm -hmm. you know, I felt really strongly about, you know, leaving everything behind and kind of starting a new path here at the Mount. Yeah. Starting a new path. That's like, that's really, I think that's what everyone does when they come to yeah. the mat. I don't know. I, I guess I can relate in the terms of like, I came here because it was like, everyone goes to this school out here called Towson University. Mm -hmm. Everybody and their mothers that I went to school with go to Towson. I got accepted into Towson. It was like, it's close to home. It's, I could be closer to like my friends. Like it had, it had great benefits. You know what I mean? And I just remember thinking like, but I don't think I'd truly be happy here. Like, and so I literally just like, I saw them out on a college search engine from my school. Like mm -hmm. I typed in where I wanted to be, like, <laughs> um, like locationally, what I wanted to major in. And I, and Mount St. Mary's came up and I saw their acceptance rate. I saw like, I looked at their website and was like, wow, this is like an all women's college. It like aligns with my morals and my beliefs and my values. And 
I took a chance, honestly. I never went to my admitted students day. I didn't go to my orientation. I didn't, the first time I was on campus was when I moved in um, yeah. or when I was going to move in. And so I had, I literally risked everything. I didn't know the environment. I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I just kind of leaped in. Like, I just was like, I'm going to dive head first yeah. and worry about the rest later. Um, <laughs> and, and, no, yeah. yeah. And it really did, it, it ended up working out, obviously, because I feel like I'm in a great place at the Mount, but it's really, I think we we didn't see ourselves as leaders, but that's a part of being a leader, going yeah. in head first and just like... I realize that you, now. <laughs> yeah, like you, when you think back on it, you're like, wow, that was leadership. That was me taking agency over my own life yeah. and coming into my own. That in and of itself is leadership. Um, and we doubt ourselves about being leaders so much when we've had to lead in our own lives. Mm -hmm. Like we've had to lead ourselves in our own paths. Um, no, yeah, I totally agree. And I think that like when you put it in that perspective, a lot of people open themselves up to consider themselves as a leader. Cause you know, when they pose you with that question, are you a leader? It's like a lot of people feel like attacked. Like, I don't know if I'm a leader. Like, am, am I a leader? Like, yeah, am like, I? Am I? I think I am, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. But it's like, when you really look at like all your actions, all your decisions, you can really, you know, understand again, like all the experience that you've had made you into the person that you are. Mm -hmm, for sure. And I don't think it, it takes something for us to realize that we're a leader. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, it doesn't come to us instantly. So like, when did you, when did you fully recognize yourself as a leader or realize that you're like a leader? I think I fully recognized when I was, that I was a leader when I joined SGA and it was like, like a random day that I was just sitting at the main table where we ha held all of our meetings and it was really crazy because i never thought to join student government like leadership roles especially in high school were never really like my thing i'd like to do simple things like film clubs and journalism and things that i never really had to take a leadership position in like i did random things like editor-in-chief but it's like me you know just fixing everybody's articles and you know working everything out formatting it and everything but I think and I'll, that's I'll, leadership. Yeah, and that's, and that's leadership. leadership. But I never saw it as leadership. And I was sitting in this table in the middle of the SGA meeting room, and they told us they were like, "So you are now an advocate for the entire student body." And I sat there shocked. I was like, "What?" Like <laughs> I thought I was just applying for you know something random that I was like, maybe I could put on my resume or something. And it really hit me that I was the one person that, you know, whether it be residents, whether it be general students, whether it be mm -hmm. commuters, like they could go to me with any issues that they had and they could email me and stop me and talk to me about all this stuff. And I felt so like shocked I was like what like I have a position like this yeah. strong and although like you know student government isn't the most popular thing like we try to serve as many people as we can and we try to always hear people out we're all really big on like public comment and letting people join our meetings and you know ask any questions that they have especially to the speakers that we're having so mm -hmm. it kind of just blew my mind that I was like oh my god <laughs> what <laughs> Yes. But yeah, I think that was like the one moment that I was like, oh, shoot, maybe I am a leader. Yeah, like, oh, wow, I am in this leadership position. And now they're saying I'm an advocate. Like, what? I know. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it gets like, it really does. I think I, I share that same sentiment of like, in my first SGA meeting, when I, when I came along, when it was like, kind of like the passing of like the like it was like a transition ceremony and I remember like being there and I was like oh wow I'm taking on a full like one-year commitment to like <laughs> serving the whole entire institution the best way I know how how do I even do that like how do you even start like <laughs> like how do you yeah. even start on it's that? really intimidating when you first it start. <laughs> it's very intimidating I'm still intimidated. I'm still like, oh, 100%. yeah, I think it never, I feel like as a leader, it never goes away. You feeling like, 
like, am I, do I belong here? Yeah, like, like am I doing the yeah, right thing? Are you sure yeah, you're the right person? Like, this is, like, ex- exactly, I'm, that's what I'm saying, like, in this new position, I was chosen, you know, and that speaks volumes, you know, like, yeah, when you realize that you were, that people picked you to be in this position, like, someone said, she would be great for this, you know, or they'll be great for this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, how do you even, how do we still have this self-doubt when in everything that we've been in and everything that we've done, there's been people who have said, yeah, she'll be great for this. Or yeah, yeah she could definitely do this, you know, like, but we ourselves are like, We sure? are our biggest, like, issue to get over where our biggest challenge or biggest conflict like and that's crazy that it's not another person telling us we can't do it it's usually ourselves like when I like when I read that when I read that women were more likely to not apply for a job that they could get you know like because they felt underqualified or because they didn't want to take the chance and the fact that you know men just apply for anything and everything Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, they get jobs, and, you know, they get the pay raises, and they get the promotions. I was like, what? Like, you're telling me that this self-doubt is going to give someone else the opportunity to do something yes. I know I can succeed in. Like, I knew from that second, I was like, you know, like, my self-doubt is always going to be my best friend. We're going to be hanging out and yeah. you know, <laughs> days together. But, like, you know, at the end of the day, yes. I got to do what I got to do and, you know, take that confidence and take that, mm-hmm. you know, independence and leadership and you know strive for the opportunities that I know I can yeah and I don't know I don't know about you but I feel like this self-doubt it's comforting to know that it's universal like I'm not the only person in here that's like doubting my it's bad you know like I feel bad for people who doubt themselves because I know the position like I've been in that point of feeling super inadequate feeling super like I don't belong here i to this day to this day I feel it you know and yeah, so of course knowing that it's like this is I think it's I take comfort and o- it's only comforting because I'm like at least I'm not the only one like at least yeah. I'm not and it's sad to say also because why do we as women or we as people doubt ourselves when it's like no one else around us is saying these things no one else is telling us that we're failing or like actively saying like you didn't do a good job you're not doing a good job it's like yeah. where do we get these ideas and these notions that we're like failing <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when really I we're know. like we're doing our best we're doing the very best we can um all of us um so I it's, I've had to literally look into that because I'm like I want to know like why is it and I think it's just like an institutional thing that just pushes a lot of women you know to be very timid to be very you know not forgiving of themselves like mm-hmm. not to be over generalizing things but you know like society itself applauds men in mm-hmm. our society you know like we are a very patriarchal society and I think that even when they do wrong like you know, they, it's something that they don't have to really apologize for, you know, like they learn, they grow, they get bigger. And I think with women, it's kind of like, you know, like just speaking out is wrong. Like mm-hmm. everything has told us since our past, voting was wrong. Speaking out was wrong. Taking control of our bodies is wrong. Putting ourselves on, you know, different protection plans is wrong. Like yeah. it's always been like, you know, a bad thing for women. And I feel like because of that, it's made us very, self-doubting and it's like Mm -hmm. you know we need podcasts like this that you know share other people's experiences because you know like when you have all this self-doubt like you were saying it's comforting to know that you're not the only one but if nobody's talking about it and nobody's admitting that they have this self-doubt then you feel like you're the only one most of the time you're not the one one person that you admire the one person you aspire to be could have the same exact doubts or have similar doubts and it's something you'll never know because it's something that's never brought up it is it's like, why do we make, like, this, it's not even, I don't even want to call this stigma. It's just people don't talk about it. Yeah. Like, like it's just people don't stay up front. Like, it's, like, this idea of vulnerability and making yourself vulnerable in these spaces. Yeah. Are, it's, like, it's seen as weak. But mm-hmm. if anything, it's more powerful as a leader to express vulnerability, humility, express when you are, you don't feel the best. Like, yeah. I don't think that makes us 
week. And it's also going back to how you say, like, we live in a very patriarchal society. Like, even as, like, a woman, when you speak up, like, as a, like, as a woman of color, too, like, I remember my mom, she was talking about how at work she was, there was an assignment that got done very wrong. And this upset her very much. And she decided to confront the group about where everything went wrong and why this was wrong and how can we fix this. And so when she expressed all these things, another coworker of hers who happens to be a white male says, are you done with your rant? And it's like, what? Like, I wasn't just ranting. Like, I was just, like, trying to voice my concern, voice that this was done wrong. Like, we're all here to do a job. And so I think as leaders, we have those kind of moments. Like, I know my mom, she said that moment really stuck with her in this whole position or from this point forward because she's like, now I'm afraid to speak up out of fear that people will think I'm trying to rant while other people are able to like go off and curse and all this type of stuff on the business calls. While I'm saying my piece, people call it a rant. And so as women, we're like, are people even going to hear what we have to say? Like they, they may hear it, but are they listening? You know, like, are they really listening to us? And I think that's another big part of like why I'm such an insecure, like why I have insecurity um, or doubt because I'm like, is anyone even listening to me? Is anybody being receptive to what I'm doing here? Like, (laughs) um, and I think we have to like remove, like, that doesn't matter. Like who cares who's listening? Who cares? Who's like, (laughs) we have to like remove that and just kind of do our own due diligence in our own job. No. Yeah. I totally understand. I mean, you know, like I have never had a situation like that, but you know, like from a very young age, you know, especially within, you know, the Latin community, I've always heard um, a saying, it says, calladita se mira mas bonita. So that's in Spanish, but in English, it means when you're quiet, you look better. Like you're not supposed to speak out. You're not supposed to offer an opinion. You're just supposed to sit there, look pretty and be quiet. That's Mm -hmm. all you're meant to serve as. And I think that hearing it, especially from other women, really puts like that boundary on you because I feel like, you know, there's supposed to be like other women that empower you, other women that, you know, inspire you to speak out, to have a voice, to have this, you know, drive in you. And they're telling you to be quiet. They're telling you to sit there and just look pretty, you know, and I feel like that's been a really big thing, especially like in the workforce. My mom has dealt with, you know, a lot of individuals that have gotten promotions before her, even though she's worked Mm -hmm. longer, has more experience. But, you know, she's Hispanic and my mom looks very Hispanic. I would like to say I'm pretty white passing. You know, my time here and also in the United States has made me, you know, not white enough for most like groups, but still when I go home, I'm too white, you know, to be Salvadorian. So I think that that's been a really big thing. But with my mom, you know, she looks Hispanic, she speaks Hispanic and English is her second language. So a lot of the times it's difficult for her to say what she's trying to convey Mm. and like, you know, have these conversations with people. And I feel like because of that, she has been hindered a lot within her professional career. And like, you know, she's Mm. done so much, completed so much, has a degree, you know, as far as she could go in education because of her immigration status at the time. But I feel like it's, it's never quite enough. Like she's worked at the hospital for 12 years and for the first time she's gotten a promotion. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that is literally like, I, that's, I feel like it's almost disrespectful. Like people put in such hard work for such a long time and we never really give them their flowers. Like, yeah. And I think that's what's so great about the Mount as well is because like, I have so many mentors on campus that have like told me or reassured me or give given me that assurance that you're doing a great job. You're doing what you can. Like this, this, 
even though it may not be the best, this is your best. Like you are doing the best that you can. Um, and I like when I hear stories such as your mother's, because it's not uncommon. Like yeah. it's something that my mom has been through. It's something that yeah. other people's parents have been through. It's just like it disheartens you. Like it's like wow, what what makes me different? Like what? <laughs> uh, yeah. Like what makes me like not not even better but what how are circumstances going to be different for me when it was like this for them um is really big for me personally no yeah and I think that you know with time a lot of places and a lot of companies and a lot of workforces are a little bit more accepting and of course you know you change yourself to fit what needs to be fit you read all the professional Mm -hmm. guidelines you follow every line to the t you know you cut your nails you dress appropriately you speak appropriately you're educated and sometimes there's still that barrier that you know whether it be a woman whether it be a person of color whether it be you know a disability that you might have it hinders you from being able to have others see your full potential and give you those opportunities it's i i 100 agree where it's like it shouldn't be a hindrance but unfortunately it's something that we actively have to stay aware of as like women, as women of color, as yeah. someone who has, you know, suffered from different kind of hindrances in my own life. It's like, what, again, like what makes me different? How am I gonna excel? Um, yeah. And so I think that's really like another part where we tell ourselves, I'm not a leader. Like yeah. <laughs> that's another place of us saying, I don't lead. Like, what who leader who not me like because you yeah. have all these external forces just like pushing you down and suppressing like that kind of spirit in you that's like oh yeah I can do this like <laughs> oh yeah like and it's like why is it not men like why do men also like do men feel this way like I, I genuinely sincerely want to know if yeah like, <laughs> <laughs> me too it's just like it's do y'all also get these same talks and these same, like, sit there and be quiet? Like, imagine hearing that your whole entire life and then coming to school and hearing, like, hey, are you a leader? Like, you're obviously going to be, like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Like, you're, you're going to be in that place of, like, I'm not a, I'm for sure not a leader after hearing other people. Because I share that same sentiment of, I mean, I was raised by my mother and she was a single mother. So I've always had such a strong female presence in my life that has like, she's been a leader. She's been like uplifted. She's made a way where there wasn't a way. And so when you see that, like when you see those forces your entire life, like that does have an effect on you. But even seeing all of that, I still am like, I still came to this school on initial thought, like, I can help leaders. I can I can be there to support leaders and like I'll let other people lead, but me myself like I'm going to take a back seat and just do the work and help do the work. Yeah. But he, again, that's like a like a belief that a lot of students have when they come into the mount and I feel like that's because it's instilled in them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you come in here whether it be like you know you're going to get in or whether you don't. I think there's a lot of students that come in with that same perspective like, you know, like I can help others be a leader. I can slowly join clubs, but I'm never going to be a president. I'm never going to hold that position of power and I'm okay with that. And I think yeah. the mount creates a really safe environment and although like I've heard empowerment so much in my life that at the mount that I guess the point of like okay like you know I'm good (laughs) but I feel like you know they create this environment that really lets you flourish that really lets you just come into your own and you know like you only get out as much as you put in and that's I've always believed that because you know like you can completely isolate yourself go to the mound, go to your classes, never involve yourself. And you know, you're never going to get that full experience. But I feel like if you put in the work and you put in the effort and you, you know, gather these mentors, gather these people that believe in you, Mm -hmm. you can really grow into someone that's truly amazing. Yes. And I just want to take a second to plug leadership scholars because I think, think, I mean, I'm going to be 100% when I say that without leadership scholars, I don't think I'd be in the place that I am. 
mentally. I don't think I'd be in the place that I am spiritually. I don't think I'd be in the place that I am in terms of leadership. Um, Yeah, I totally Yeah, (laughs) Leadership scholars is like, I think having such great people on your team and by your side and like giving, again, going back into that awareness of self, um, kind of Mount Lee characteristic, like you really take time to like really like reflect about yourself in leadership scholars and reflect about your strengths, your weaknesses, uh, what you're passionate about, where you see yourself, like where yeah. do you want to be? Uh, they really like have helped me to develop the idea of like my dreams aren't like just dreams. Like they, you can make they're this your reality. Yeah, yeah. They're attainable goals that you can go and strive for. So personally for me leadership scholars has been really big Um, yeah and I know that like I had the same exact experience because I didn't enter leadership scholars until my second year in college Mm. so my first year in college it was crazy because I was working at the women's leadership I was already applying to be an orientation leader I was you know a general senator for student government and I remember you know someone that used to work there her name was Christine Hernandez Mm -hmm. she sat down with me and she's like hey why aren't you a part of leadership scholars because it is a program that's run through women's leadership and I was like I don't know like I don't know if I'm ready to fully you know like accept my leadership and really work on myself and understand all these things and I told her I was like you know I don't think I'm ready I don't think it's a program meant for me which was crazy because I had so many friends that were within the leadership scholars program they were telling me how much they were growing and how much they were learning and I just felt like I wasn't ready for that like I wasn't there and she literally sat me down during one of my work shifts and was like, I will give you the next hour. Just fill out the application. Just <laughs> shot. like fill it out. Even if you yeah. don't fully believe in yourself, just give it a shot. And I was like, you know what? Like there has to be a reason if people want me to join this so much. And once I joined and you know, I got to know Christine and I got to know Dr. Roz and I got to know Brittany. It was like, oh my gosh, it was like doors were opened. Understandings of my brain were finally like a little light bulb was happening. I was like, oh my gosh, I understand, you know, like mm-hmm. who I am, what my strengths are, what my weaknesses are, you know, that's a really big thing. But I really understood myself and why I was so hesitant to be like, you know, recognize this information. Like, I had to not only learn about myself, but work on myself. I think that Yeah, like I had to unlearn some things about exactly. myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, I think you know, of, yeah. letting go a lot of that self-doubt as well. Mm-hmm. That was a big and, step, just even to join Leadership Scholars, because it's, you know, poses such a high and prestigious program to constantly be learning, constantly be growing. And you're kind of like, mm, I don't know if that's for me. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I'm appreh- going to Apprehension. That. Yeah, I was super yeah. apprehensive because I was like, am I ready for this commitment? Like, I was reading over, like, the, like, guidelines and, like, all, everything that entails of being a part of Leadership Scholars. And I was like, what did I just get myself into? Because similar to you, I worked with Women's Leadership my first semester. And it was Brittany yeah. who came up to me and, was, and asked me, like, you know about Leadership Scholars? Like, are you, yeah. do you, <laughs> are you planning to apply? <laughs> And she was like, just apply. It's okay. Apply. And she was like, take this time right now and apply. And so yeah. I like was looking at all the requirements and I was like, uh, like, is this? I know. It seems like so <laughs> scary. Like, oh my yeah, God. I was like, are you really like looking for this? Because it's like, you see, like, you see so many different positions and stuff and you're like, <laughs> whoa yeah but, and they like show you like all the things that they can help you achieve and you're like whoa am I ready for that <laughs> ready to achieve that but it's like I I think that was what single-handedly the greatest decision I could have made for myself at this campus was joining the leadership scholars um and I don't say that in like I say this with all sincerity and with my full chest like I don't think I would even be at the university like at Mount St. Mary's without leadership scholars. Like they, people who have mentored me through that program, people who have sat down and talked to me and cared about me, like I will always value that. Like it's it's great to feel like you're valued by somebody yeah. um, and that you're appreciated for the work that you're doing. And leadership scholars really does make you feel appreciated. They make you feel valued. They make you feel like, almost as though 
you could take on the world. Like, I don't know about yeah. you, but I'd be leaving those retreats. Like, I'm about to tackle everything in my path. Yeah. Like, and I, I just, still yeah. remember, like, my first year, that first retreat that you go to, oh, my God, it changed my life. Like, it was yes. such a big thing. And I remember I was paired with one of my mentors, and her name was Natalie. I don't remember if you remember her. She was here. Like, I, she graduated yes. last year. But, oh, my gosh, I can't even tell you how much Natalie changed my life. Natalie is the reason that I'm in sociology, that I'm okay with saying, you know what, I'm not 100% sure what my future is going to be because that was a really big fear of mine. I was always like, you have to know. You have to have a plan. You have to do everything. Like, you need to yeah. follow a plan. And I think the one thing that, you know, after that retreat that I left with was that it's okay if I don't have a plan, you know, like it's okay for me to continue growing, continue learning and follow my passion rather than following mm -hmm. something that's going to make me super miserable. So yeah. I think that, you know, leadership scholars has been such a great part of my life. And that's why I'm so excited to be, you know, a mentor this year for other students. And I feel like it's just grown into something that, you know, has really given me the strength, the passion and the, confidence to be who I want to be yes I 100% agree so I just want to like take a second to thank I know like I know it's Brittany Kyla Dr. Ross Chinako yes. shout out Christine we miss her yes. <laughs> <laughs> um and Laura and all of the women's leadership team because Laura was actually my mentor uh like yeah it's crazy right <laughs> like yeah, you know so Sitting next to Laura and seeing like how far she's come and the positions that she's been given and now she's the staff at school. It's like, oh my yeah, god. I was like, <laughs> I, I'm so I'm so proud of Laura. Laura, I like it's I don't think she knows this, but she's really such she's another person in that office that's very comforting and very yeah. like, you know, she's been she was a, a Mount alum, so she knows like she knows the deal, you know, she knows like the whole skilo. She she was a leadership scholar. Yeah. Um, you know, and so having her presence is valuable also because you see her now and you're like, wow, I could get to a point of being like empowered, being a leader and having like a great position that I'm passionate about. That was like seeing her development also helped me in my development and my leadership as well, personally, because like, again, she was my mentor. Um, and I'm just super like, in like hindsight like I wish I took more advantage of her <laughs> because yeah. um you know like she she's really awesome and she's really cool so uh I just wanted to take that moment because we are doing a, a podcast about leaders are not made are made not born and yeah leadership scholars really does um emphasize that message and tries to instill in us like hey like even though you don't believe you're a leader now like we you can become one like this is not an yeah. unattainable thing like if you feel this way like you you feel it for a reason and we will unlearn that reason and so i'm i'm grateful and super just like wow like that i was able to be a part of that i i am able to be a part of this program um yeah. really cool. <laughs> so just a little just a little like plug to them because like I think that it's really essential and important. Um, and so as you think about your journey as a leader, how do you think you have developed your leadership skills? Um, I genuinely think that I have developed leadership skills just by experience. So like, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've had to learn that vulnerability because I know that growing up it was really hard for me to be vulnerable with other individuals just because of everything that was happening in my household you know like it was easier for me to just put up a front and not really connect with a lot of people and even like the people that I considered really close were somehow not close enough like didn't know about a lot of stuff that were happening in my life. Mm -hmm. I think that I have really worked on my communication skills. Like I can give a speech, I can do public speaking. And that's something I never thought that I would be, have the confidence <laughs> to do. But I remember like literally my first week of SGA, like they were thrown and they're like, you have to give a presentation at a Dean's honor dinner and you know, promote SGA. And I was like, what? <laughs> And I, was yeah. and I was so wow. nervous but you know it's it's just been experience and putting myself out there you know like I've worked so much on 
you know, holding myself accountable and responsible and using planners and, you know, becoming the person that meets deadlines, meets goals. Mm -hmm. You know, I really believe in team building. I really believe that, you know, creating a good team, creating a good environment, creating a place where people can be vulnerable, where they can, you know, not only share the good, but share the bad. You know, I think that that only comes with time and experience and putting yourself out there and taking these opportunities that are literally dangling right in front of you that you're just too scared to hold on to. Mm-hmm. 100%. I, I agree with you in like the sense that you have to experience a few things um, that's going to help you develop your leadership. Like you have to go through, you have to go through it in order yeah. to get through it, you know? So, oh, yeah, um, 100%. so I definitely echo that uh, sentiment of like, you know, when you think about developing your leadership skills, there is no one way. Like, your development of any kind just comes from evolution and from the experiences that, or your lived experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really, when I think about, like, developing my own personal leadership skills, it's like getting my hands dirty, going in there and actually seeing what it's like to be in this, like, in these positions, seeing what I've done or what I can do to like make something better or to evolve something that is just, that is developing your leadership skills. So I definitely think like experience. Yes, for sure. Experience is a big one. You know, people can give you a pamphlet on exactly how to work life and give you every instruction and every example you could possibly get, but until you do Mm -hmm. it yourself, you're never really going to, get that feeling you know like you can learn all about public speaking how to stand how to keep eye contact (laughs) what octave to have what tone to have but until you're up there and you're like feeling all the nervousness and shaking all the butterflies exactly (laughs) like you're never gonna understand until you actually do it so that's why I always recommend that students you know get involved grab as much experience as they can and just kind of bring yourself don't try to be anybody else just be yourself and just learn as you go like you know take the good take the bad if something's bad learn how to fix it learn how to get better learn how to you know adapt to situations I feel like that's been a really big thing for me and that's been a really big area that I've grown in is adaptability just because with everything that's happened to me and all the changes that have happened and all the things that are thrown my way, whether it be fires, whether it be, you know, major changes, whether it be family members, whether it be, you know, like, you know, people that I want to please that I'm not always going to be able to please because they go against what I want to do for myself. You just have to learn how to adapt and how to grow because, you know, change hurts. It does. Like I never, like once I have a set routine, I'm like, stop, don't change. Like this is perfect. (laughs) It's working. But it's like, the world just doesn't work that way. And I think that especially right now with Corona, that's been a big thing. You know, you've had to learn how to change, how to adapt. You can't just stay exactly the same because if you stay exactly the same, the world is just going to pass you by and you're going to miss a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to get uncomfortable. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like being uncomfortable is okay. Yeah, like you, that's really, I never, like, when, I think it's never really hit me that I'm, like, at some point, you do have to feel some type of discomfort in life or feel like you're not completely, like, secure in this. So you can become it. Like, so you can become more secure in it. And so exactly. you, you can break that barrier down. And you're never going to stop being uncomfortable. It doesn't matter if you're like the best in what you do. The second you step anywhere else, you're suddenly out of your comfort zone. And that's okay. Like you need to learn how to grow, how to adapt, how to just be uncomfortable. Because, you know, like Mm -hmm. I feel like so much of the world is just about that. It's just about how can you react if this happens? Well, what happens if this happens? You suddenly have a cheery attitude as an orientation leader and have a student that hates everything. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> it's like those experiences to really test yourself and really just shine, really mm-hmm. be the best you can be. Yes. And it's a, once you get into those uncomfortable experiences and then you adapt, it's like, when it happens again, you're ready for it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, I've done this before. We can do it again. Yeah. Um, and so that is also super essential. But 
I think the biggest question I have for you is like, what defines you as a leader? What defines me as a leader? I, oh, that's a good question, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, I think what really defines me are my passions, my ethics, my morals. I feel like those are really big driving factors in what I allow myself to be involved in, what I push myself to achieve. You know, a big thing is just feeling comfortable with myself. I have been in many positions where it goes against my morals, it goes against my ethics, it goes against my core beliefs, and I feel like I'm in the wrong place. I go against my passions and I follow the career that I know is going to give me money and I feel miserable. I go against my ethics and I feel uncomfortable with what I'm surrounding myself with. I go against my morals and I feel disappointed in myself and I feel very, you know, like upset. And I think that that's the biggest thing. When you feel disappointment within yourself, you have to know that that's not a scenario that you should be in or a situation that you should continue in. And I feel like, you know, everyone makes mistakes and everyone, you know, tries to do be something they're not or reach something that is not meant for them. I feel like everyone has their own path. Everyone is their own leader. Everyone is their own person. Even twins are not identical. You know, like <laughs> that is a big thing. Like you are unique. You are you. No one can be you as much as other people try and imitate other people. Like at the end of the day, you have to be yourself. You like this talk kind of talking about like how you really have to be your own person as yeah. much as we want to imitate people as much as we yes. want to be like people as much yes. as we have these idealized versions of who we are yes we are ourselves we are we can, yeah, i mean we can, like <laughs> i i think that that was a really big thing especially like when it came to dropping nursing like it's okay to let this go it's okay to grow it's okay to change and you know like be who you need to be because if everyone had to be identical then we have carbon copies and there would everyone would do one job that's it yeah (laughs) and that's a bit boring if you ask me i love like there i love who i am i love who i am i love the fact that i'm confident in who i am and that i can be myself and that you know even if being me changes over time you know like i'm okay with that you know Mm -hmm. i feel like that's been a really big thing about my leadership you know like i have become such a different leader i take different approaches i always want to consider everyone's perspectives hear people's voices because i know that sometimes i work harder and not smarter and hearing something (laughs) like so simple that someone tells me i'm like you're so smart thank you for your contribution like you know like valuing the people that you surround yourself with whether it be team members friends family members loved ones chosen families anything like that like they really open you up and I feel like that's the most important thing about being a leader never feel like you know it all never feel like Mm -hmm. you know you've completed you're at the top you never have to change you're fine boom like you've made it like you're never gonna get that sensation that I'm done you know 100% and it's like I think what people don't understand about being a leader is like yes you're leading but you're also a part of this team like you're not like you're not just like head honcho ordering people around telling people what to do sometimes being the best leader is like conflict resolution and Mm -hmm. hearing people out and holding meetings to hear different perspectives and ideas and it's like sometimes you need that sometimes you need the one person that just puts everything together you don't need someone telling i have one plan i know exactly the way we're gonna do it and that's it you are yeah. all just my followers like no leadership does not work that way. at all and that's when another part where i think people don't understand what being a leader is sometimes yeah. like and that is why we think like oh i'm not a leader because a leader is this a leader looks like this but a leader doesn't just look like one thing it has no specific look it's just if you embody that essence of wanting to take action, wanting to guide initiatives, like Mm -hmm. that's leadership. Like how we talked about doing our own life pathways, taking our own journeys separate. That was us being leaders. Like we think so small of ourselves sometimes. Like I know that I, I still do this too. Like I think there, I, I can sometimes think little of myself and not uplift myself when it's like, who else is going to do it for you if not you? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you got to just uplift yourself. And even if you think that you're not a leader, 
just push yourself out there like one like fake it till you make it exactly <laughs> yeah. i tell that to everybody i'm like you know what if you don't think you're this but guess what you're here fake it till you make it like figure it out ask questions like you got this don't worry like sometimes faking until you make it gets you so far and then you realize you've had that within you for so long and that you're exactly where you have to be yeah and it's like for a long time you know you kind of just got to be like okay you know this is this is it like (laughs) yeah (laughs) you got it it. yeah yeah essentially (laughs) i understand and so i guess like my last question for you today and thank you for you know, bearing with, with all these questions. Yeah, um, of course. What is one of your greatest aspirations as a leader? I believe one of my greatest aspirations as a leader is for someone to tell me that I inspired them to be a leader. <laughs> like, I feel like that's such a, like, passing the torch moment because I've had so many people that I'm like, you're the reason I want to be a leader. You're the reason that I took this opportunity. You're the reason that I believed in myself for this thing. And I think that, like, hearing it from someone, it'll be just like a, oh, my God, moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. I love, yeah, yeah I like, I There's no that. one goal that it's like, if I reach this, I know I've, I am done. I'm set for life because I feel like you never stop learning. You never stop growing. You never stop being a leader in your own life until like you die. So, (laughs) so I don't think there's like one thing that it's like, Oh, you know, once I own a house or once I get my dream job, because it's like, even thinking of a dream job in like 10 years, you might have a completely different dream job. Like it's Mm -hmm. always going to be constantly changing. And I just feel like hearing that I inspired someone else so much that they took on that journey and they believed in themselves would be like such a rewarding moment. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I actually agree with those sentiments of like, I I think not that I crave it, but it would just be nice to hear someone say like, thank you, like for being you because you've inspired me. Because I've said that to, like you said, I've said that to a few people. I've said like, I've said that to so many people and I don't know if that, means anything to them but like I know what it would mean for me like just to hear like it's like that starfish story of if like (laughs) where if you it's like all these starfishes on the beach that have just washed up on shore and you're trying to put all of them back into the ocean and someone's like why are you personally like running these one starfishes back in the ocean like it's not going to make an impact but it's like well it impacted that one starfish like exactly and I feel like yeah it's not like it's not like oh my god I am like odd changing and most of the time when you're mentoring someone or when you're you know helping someone you never think oh I'm doing this because I want them to see me as a mentor because I want them to see me as an inspiration it's always like coming from a good place coming from a place that you know you want to help as much as yes. possible and I yes. feel like that's like such a gratitude moment where it's like oh my gosh like I, I did it you know like, I yeah I did it I was for what someone else was for me I was for them and I feel like it that's does. just whenever it happens <laughs> in my lifetime I'm not gonna like you know push it or stress it or anything but it's something so simple that's something like so like oh mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and personal. It's really personal because, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm in these positions because I want to help people. And so knowing that I helped someone or that I influenced somebody or that, like, I've I've helped to shift a mindset, like, that is just as valuable to me because I know that I'm leaving a mark on something. I'm leaving my mark. Like, I'm helping and contributing to a a better society like a, a, a whole <laughs> making something whole um yeah I think that's super like I I'm in complete agreement with that like 100 percent um but I think that was all my questions I had for you today Yay, um, we did it. <laughs> yes we did it um thank you so so much for being here Amber um we really do appreciate that um I appreciate and value you and if anything I think uh, you inspire me I know that it might not be true. Like you, honestly, oh, this conversation you. just elevated my spirits and I needed that. So thank yeah. you so much. No, um, thank you for, for interviewing me. I never thought that I would get a chance to sit down <laughs> and talk about my 
you know, in stories and, you know, yes. talk about all my experiences. I never thought it was like something someone would want to hear, but thank you. <laughs> I wanted to hear it. So, uh, <laughs> yes. So thank you so much, Amber. And so our next podcast is actually going to be on being an ethical Athenian. So you mentioned how what defines you as a leader is ethics and morals and values. We'll be talking more about that in the next podcast. So awesome. um, yeah, be on the lookout <laughs> for that. Um, so thank you all so much for listening today. Thank you for taking the time to listen and we appreciate you. And most of all, we value you. So um, I'm going to sign off now, but have a great day, everybody. <laughs>